0: back to you. that's ancient history for the third installment in my ask a classes series where i get somebody who doesn't have a background in classes to come on and ask me some questions test my knowledge and hopefully we will end up talking about some things that you yourself have been wondering about and i perhaps haven't thought to cover so today my guest is sana
1: hi i'm sana i'm a freelance digital producer and youtuber um, and what else I uh, used to work in publishing yes uh, and I'm now doing freelancing in kind of the realm of publishing and also outside of that um,
0: and you're usually books and quills online right Yes. Yeah. so YouTube Twitter Instagram if mm-hmm. you want to check Sana out she's at books and quills um, I've known Sana for about gosh it must be like six or seven Yes. Yeah, definitely. No, but yeah. uh, probably six. Um, And she's heard me probably ramble on at her about classics many, <laughs> many times. Um, so now's her opportunity to actually ask me questions she cares about. Um, so really, I'm the, ready. The, I'm the ready. game is
1: yours. <laughs> okay, so I have some questions and then just some topics okay. I just want to hear more about. Yeah. So I actually want to start off with uh, a question that will put me in a, a holiday type of okay. spirit. Um, because I'm going to Crete next month. I love creeps. And when I mentioned that, you got very excited <laughs> um, because it is related to the Minotaur. Yes. That's all I know. Oh, so yay. I actually would love to hear a bit more. The only thing I know is Minotaur, Maze, Piece of string. Yeah, that's th- all I've got. Those
0: are three of the main parts of that myth. So, <laughs> so this is why you need to visit Knossos, mm-hmm. right? So, Knossos is an ancient Minoan site from the second millennium BC. So, super What's Minoan? old. So, the Minoans were the civilization who lived on Crete. So, this is okay before like your your Greeks that built the Parthenon and everything like that. It's like well before that. Is. Okay, um, they're like an el- earlier civilization that share a lot culturally with the Greeks. Um, but also there's lots unique about them and we don't know as much about them because we don't have the ability to translate a lot of their texts and things. Okay. So what we know from them is a lot through their artwork and, like thing, and their archaeology. And Knossos is this incredible site that survived um, that you can go and visit. And one of the things it's full of is bull imagery. So there's loads and loads of frescoes and mosaics and just art and um, s- symbols in the architecture that represent mm. bulls. So we think that um, that was what kind of inspired the myth of the Minotaur in, in Greek imagination. So did
1: the myth come after those
0: people were gone? So those people are gone and because we don't actually have things recording what their like beliefs were exactly, we yeah. can't know whether it was a myth that belonged to them or it's something that right. came later. Um, so it's, it's difficult to know like, if it was a Greek invention or if it was a Minoan invention. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the Minotaur myth is uh, this like myth about this half human half bull that's born when the queen of Crete at the time who was married to King Minos and mm-hmm. that's where you get the name of the yeah. Minoans <laughs> and the Minotaur um, has uh, she has sex with a bull. <laughs> She's of course. Uh, basically she, she, a spell a curse or whatever is cast on her by a god and she has sex with a bull and she gives birth to this half bull creature and they're like what on earth do we do with this thing. They, so they put in a maze So yeah. like there we go put in a maze because you don't want to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kill it you don't want to kill it because it's a god so you don't want to offend the gods um, so put in a maze <laughs> and then um... Yeah, basically then, in the myth, like, years later, uh, the Greek hero Theseus, who is, uh, like, the legendary
1: king of Athens, comes Mm. and slays the Minotaur. Um, Oh, I I didn't realise the Minotaur got slayed. I was like, is it, like, finding, saving? No. Because basically the the
0: Minotaur requires human sacrifices,
1: so the Minotaur's been eating people this whole time. (laughs) I see. (laughs) Yeah. Just to stay, he's like, I'll stay in my maze, but bring me some...
0: But if you go to Knossos, you will see these amazing paintings of bulls. And there's things like in the archaeology museum mm. in Her- Heraklion as well in Crete. Uh, there's these amazing frescoes of bull leaping, which we think was a sport that they did. Okay. So these paintings of like people jumping over box. bulls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also the layout of Knossos is very maze-like.
1: So that's like another amazing. little like, added level. Ama- amazing. Yeah. Um- amazing. <laughs> I, didn't I do mean to. love that. that. <laughs> um no you have to go. Okay, perfect. That is good. Is there any are besides those ruins? Mm. Do you know if there's anything else on the island? Will there be lots of other things on yes. the island that refer to it? So Knossos I probably not touch the table to yeah. so. say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So Knossos is one Minoan site, but mm-hmm. the Minoans inhabited all Everywhere. of Crete. Yeah. Um so there are actually various different what are known as like palace sites located okay. throughout Crete that you can go and visit in different areas. So like if you Google like palaces in Crete, you will get uh, other options. Although palaces is like a misnomer; they're not actually palaces. Mm. They were more like administrative centers. Oh. But they've just been sort of like offices. <laughs> yeah, basically we stored the grain here and all of that jazz. Yeah. Well, we were um, like
1: palaces. Beautiful. Yeah,
0: we like palaces, so we've called them palaces. But yeah, there's lots to visit in Crete.
1: Amazing. Thank well, you. It's alright. like to be a holiday tour guide. <laughs> I'm going to feel very educated when I get there. good <laughs> can tell all your friends. <laughs> um, okay. I always like asking people when it comes to their speciality about mm. like what's the most common or the most popular. So mm. I'm really curious. Are the most famous myths mm. that you consider to be most famous the ones that deserve it most? Or do you think there are other ones that should be more famous? Okay. Yeah. I think probably I'm gonna yeah I have a think about it
0: well I think probably the most popular myth is like the Trojan War yeah because you'll have heard of the Trojan yes. War right like yeah. there's so many films television shows the beautiful film Troy oh, Brad Pitt and uh, <laughs> Orlando Bloom he's in that as well isn't he like there's lots oh, yeah. of famous actors oh, in need that to film. rewatch um, and then they've, they've adapted it for television uh, it's the war that was supposedly started by Helen of Troy's abduction. So there's that like whole association with her beauty. Do you think it's just because people love a big battle? Yeah, yeah. I absolutely do. Like I, th- I think there is just very much like there's a lot of fighting and um, the Greek heroes sacrificing yeah. themselves Beautiful and going them. up. Absolutely, a like big horse. Oh, the horse, the Trojan horse. It's funny because the Iliad, which is probably the most famous version of the Trojan War, uh the book. Uh, doesn't actually go up until the point of the the oh, horse. really? Yeah, but you hear about it in other books, okay. but I think a lot of people read the Iliad by Homer expecting the horse and it's not a part of it. Right. Um but there's also loads of ancient books. Are, so like it's always been a popular myth. Do you right. know what I mean? Like right. ever since it was there, it's yeah, been popular. People yeah. have been writing about it and it, it does it does seem to have really captured imaginations and actually I read a lot of myth retellings as well and I've noticed Within the myth retelling genre, that it's one of the most popular myth retell, right? And I've read some incredible retellings like um, Natalie Haynes' *A Thousand Ships* and Pat Barker's *The Silence of the Girls*, which are um from the female perspective. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that so close together, people are retelling the Trojan War yeah, as well. No, definitely. Um, I think it's fine, but I think you get a little bit like you get overload, don't you? Like yeah. if it's not if it's not your favorite, then it's going to feel like it's everywhere. And I definitely think there are myths I would like to see people talk about more. And um, understand better in particular myths like Medusa because I think oh, yeah. we have this idea of Medusa this gorgon woman like with this evil evil yeah. snake
1: hair we need the, we need the Maleficent remake
0: we need the Maleficent remake because you know how she gets turned into a gorgon she gets sexually assaulted by a god and then punished for her own sexual assault by another god and good. turned into a monster good and we need to talk about Medusa yeah <laughs> I know it's so cheerful. Are there any other ones that you think deserve a bit more popularity? Um, well, one of the myths I'm obsessed with, I did a whole myth digest on, mm-hmm. so I, I recommend going to listen to that. In fact, I just remembered my other myth digest was on Helen of Troy, so even I have perpetuated that, um, and that's Procrine and Philomela, and mm-hmm. uh, which is a really violent. Violent myth, <laughs> but it's part of my thesis. So I'm obsessed with it, right. so I want to talk about it. I want to tell all about the it. time. Yeah, but it includes again sexual assault. It includes um like mutilation. Someone gets their tongue cut out. There's Ooh. infanticide. There's cannibalism. It's got it all. Shakespeare adapted it as well into Titus Andronicus. Oh,
1: really? Oh, and that's supposed to be one of the most violent plays. Yeah. Right? He makes it more violent. Nice. That's the worst bit. Just <laughs> sprinkle a bit more on top.
0: Yeah, it's not just tongues that get cut out. It's hands that get cut off as well. It's, yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of nice myths, I'm not going to lie. <laughs>
1: um, kind of to go on from that, which myth do you think should be adapted next? Whether it's a film mm. or a book, do you have a wish list? I
0: actually, based on a tweet I saw somebody tweet recently, I have like something I really want to happen, and that is for Disney in their quest to adapt all their cartoons mm. into live action films to remake Hercules. There we go. How good would that be? That would be really
1: good. I'd be um, into that.
0: And this person that tweeted about it said that uh, Chris Hemsworth should play Hercules, and I think I'm that, also into that <laughs> right? Like that's perfect casting. No, now is the time Disney stop making
1: CGI <laughs> pretend live action films and make Hercules. down um what do you think is the biggest misconception that people have about classics
0: oh that it's um inaccessible and pretentious
1: okay um
0: what would you say to those people that lots of pretentious people have studied classics Mm -hmm. and uh over the more recent centuries have tried to make it inaccessible but it is not and not to listen to them um because it's for everyone
1: because also at the time those myths and stuff would have been for everyone, right?
0: Mainstream, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like those, yeah. The soap like, operas of the day.
0: Exactly, like there's things like Aristophanes' comedies that he writes are full of fart jokes and things like that. Like It's, again, like Shakespeare,
1: right? It's, yeah, it's not again, highbrow. That would be, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, whereas like they're treated as super highbrow and yeah. like actually there's so much of it is like literal toilet humour. Nice. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The next one isn't really a question, but something I wanted to chat about. Ooh, because okay. I'm curious what you think of this. So, I studied English, language, and culture in the Ooh, Netherlands. Netherlands. Okay. So, English as a foreign language, which included English lit as well, but also linguistics and things like mm-hmm. that. And in our first year, one of the classes we had to take, which I didn't really expect, was... I can't remember what it was called, but it was basically like mythology and the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so they made every English student do one course that yep. was basically right, that was basically just... Right, if you weren't raised religiously, or if you didn't do, like, Greek or Latin in high school, here's the basics. Yeah. Here's, like, who's Jesus? You know, and and we had to go through that, and... and... I think I need that introduction to the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> like, my biblical knowledge yeah. is so bad. So, basically, I knew all the biblical stuff, mm-hmm. and I didn't know any of the myths. Mm. And then they do that because everything that comes after it references it, obviously. Yeah, we've already mentioned Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, what you think of that, the fact that that is needed or, yeah. I don't know, I just, I found it quite funny because I didn't expect that to be part of the course at all.
0: Well, this is one of the funny things I found, like, doing classics in ancient history at uni, there would be um, a lot of English lit students in my classes. There oh, would really? be a lot of art history students in my classes because it has, like, they're one of the older particularly western cultures that we have the art and literature from so mm-hmm. they've had a massive influence on art and literature throughout the centuries and um a, a, a per- particularly like the greeks and the romans and in the fact that so much of it survived and was like uh latched onto and never allowed to to disappear um like other cultures have um they had to come and do ancient art introduction and introduction to ancient literature because like you're saying they would come up against it all the time and you wouldn't know those references if you haven't like learned Mm. just the basics and that was one of the things I always thought was like quite a privilege of studying ancient history was that I felt like you think of like I don't know people can be very like um, see history as quite like a narrow subject Mm -hmm. but particularly for me when it comes to ancient history and classics and I'm sure this is true of other eras of history for me it was felt like such a broad topic because I was looking at philosophy mm-hmm. I was looking at art I was looking at literature I was looking at history in the more traditional sense I was looking at archaeology like I, just all of these early ideas that that have a place throughout time and it, it just I felt like it opened up my experience of modern culture in oh, really? a new way yes yeah, so like I think you can love Shakespeare and enjoy Shakespeare but you get this added bonus if
1: you then understand the background yes um it's like and then also I think the other way around because then an understanding of Shakespeare like going to a museum yeah. and seeing something and being like oh my gosh that references that so I totally. always find that when I go to museums with people who have a different background yes and might not be able to pick up on the things that you take for granted yourself because yeah. you've kind of Somehow gotten those influences, and you know the backstory, and yeah. you can take the subtle hints of like, oh, this tiny depiction in the corner actually is this and this. Yes. Um, went to the painted hall recently in Greenwich. I've not been there. It. You should go. It okay. is <laughs> gorgeous. So it's this massive building. It's like kind of like this, like Sistine Chapel, I guess. Mm-hmm. So it's like the whole ceiling is this whole historical tale, mm-hmm. um, and it's the same thing where you're standing there, you see it, and you're like, wow, well, it's, it's beautiful. And then the tour guide talks you to every single person on it and you're like, that's that god. That is the River Thames. Like, that person is the River Thames. Like, that kind of symbolism. Yeah.
0: And I I think that that's really important is that there's no right place to start. You shouldn't read Homer before you read Shakespeare or read Shakespeare before you go and see this exhibition. Like, whatever order you experience these, like, artifacts of culture from, you then get to like weave it all together in yeah. your in your own personal journey, I think. And like there's no right or wrong way to or order to do it mm. all in.
1: And you'll never be finished as well, I feel like. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I mean I before I ever read an ancient book, I'd read ancient myth retellings. And mm. I get a lot of people ask me things like, should I have read this ancient book before I read the retelling? And I'm like, I didn't. It just gave me a different experience reading them in the other order. Definitely. Yeah, so I feel
1: like sometimes it makes it more accessible as well when you've Absolutely. already... Absolutely. I've had that with like Jane Austen and, again, Shakespeare. You've. I always joke that whenever I read Shakespeare and I've seen a modern adaptation, mm-hmm. that it really helps. You're yeah. like, oh, that's that character. I feel like people can I have a habit of that a little of, bit
0: but yeah. yeah no I some if I'm going to read a new Shakespeare I often read a plot summary first
1: yeah <laughs> uh, I only have one more question left okay. do you need do you want more questions no that's okay that we're like yeah, yeah yeah how far are we in
0: we are 16 minutes and 30 seconds oh
1: my god that was so quick how yeah. long are the episodes usually they're between like 20 and 30 minutes okay perfect um, well, we were talking about how I was reading. I wrote Circle, but I mean... Author, <laughs> <Cersei. Alter> correct. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, I read The Silence of the Girls recently. Ah, yeah. And I, I'm try- I was trying to think back if i have read any other... Are ad- there mm-hmm. any other famous adaptations that I might have read? I think read. there's two different types of adaptations.
0: Mm-hmm. There's things like Circe, Silence of the Girls, mm-hmm. Margaret Atwood's Penelope ad that are very explicit. Mm-hmm. Then there are books that are Greek myth retellings but mm-hmm. you might not notice it. Um like a lot of Shakespeare, um like Titus Andronicus, mm-hmm. but things like um Daisy Johnson's Everything Under oh, I uh, that. So that recently was shortlisted for a few prizes over the past year and it's a modern book set in modern London but it's a retelling yeah. of um uh, Oedipus or Girl Meets Boy by Ali Smith which came out a few years ago set in modern day Scotland and England about like sexuality and gender retelling of the myth of Iphis um right. so sometimes I forget and like if you mentioned a book to me I would be like oh did you know that's actually a retelling of a great book <laughs> yeah it'd be really easy not to <laughs> yeah. not to
1: spot that yeah I think for me Silence of the Girls wasn't quite what I wanted it to be okay so I think I it's went very in dark with, I went in with a certain expectation and I felt like I wanted even more female voices from it mm. so for me it was still a little bit too focused on like the heroes of the fighters yeah. uh, and it is very kind of like which I did enjoy, like the grossness of the army camps mm. and the reality of it, like the non-glorious side yes, of it. Yes, it doesn't shy away. That I yeah. love that too. Yeah. Um, but then Cersei's been interesting because I think what I wanted maybe was a YA yeah. perspective. Yeah. Because I do feel like they, are, they very often treat stories a bit differently and I think mm. um, Cersei seems to be, as far as I've read it, I've read yeah. like a third, I think, seems to be a lot more centred around her. Yeah. While the science of the girls I felt was very centred around everything else that happens yeah,
0: around it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's more about um Cersei's like personal growth as a character. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um there are actually some YA myth retellings. There's one called Outrun the Wind, uh which is a retelling it's I don't know if it's a retelling of a myth directly, but it's about ancient Greek Amazons and goddesses. Mm-hmm. Um it's so it's about like the Amazons who were these female warriors and the goddess Artemis, and that's why um, I believe there are some um, I am going to just <laughs> look this up so if you're not familiar I have a blog called morejeansthoughts.wordpress.com it's a terrible oh, title love it, it's great but on it I have a page dedicated to classical myth retellings oh nice, Mhm. and it has a key so you can check if it's YA if you can check it's adult that Adam. is not a lot, I love it so Outrun the Wind that's a young adult one I also have listed as young adult um uh, Meg Cabot, who wrote The Princess Diaries, wrote one called Abandon, which is inspired by Persephone and Hades. One second. <laughs> the high thing. You might have read it? No. Oh.
1: Meg Cabot. <laughs> yeah, so she wrote Avalon High. Okay. Which is a retelling of The Lady of Shalott, I'm pretty oh, wow. sure, which I wrote, this is, I wrote my uh, bachelor's thesis, partly on that book. It's been a very long time. Yeah, so it, um yeah it goes to like Arthurian yeah. and stuff and so wow
0: I had no idea she did that either yeah
1: you would well, we just think of it's a long, diaries. A long, <laughs> a long <laughs> time ago um, but yeah I included that in my thesis because I uh, wrote about YA adaptations of the Lady of Shalott and how they depicted that female character that's versus so it cool it's very fun and all my uh supervisors were like YA what is that <laughs> well I adaptations of really so there's sure, A though. Song of the Sparrow I think it's uh-huh. called and it's written in blank verse it's it's oh, okay it's in like the yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah um I think I might have only included two mm. I can't remember this was a very long time yeah, ago yeah. now um but yeah it was it was interesting because both of them if I this you know when you just don't remember your own thesis yeah um, <laughs> yes <laughs> they both were characters that then like take fate into their own hands yeah obviously a bit the opposite yeah like similar but different from from the poem Mm -hmm. um well let's go i'm gonna take a look at this long list yeah well another one one. all
0: have you ever heard of all our pretty songs no by um sarah mcgarry that's inspired by orpheus and eurydice and i'm pretty sure yeah that one's set in modern day so it's not set in antiquity because i think that's quite fun as well when people show how the themes of ancient myths Mm -hmm. can be applied to modern day stories i like that um
1: yeah, I have one last question for you. Yeah, okay. Um, imagine that I'm at the library oh. and I'm just thinking. Okay, I want to learn more about mythology. Whether it's like, whether it's retellings or not, mm-hmm. whether it's just getting some of the basics. Like, do you have any good starting points? Okay, um,
0: I think
1: I like. Should I read? What's called? I...
0: Metamorphoses. I just thought. Should I just get that out? Actually, I would say well ovid's metamorphosis is something that collects together loads of different myths although it's very heavy on the sexual violence um actual ancient books one of the ones i always recommend to people is Apollodorus's the library of greek mythology because it is literally a greek an ancient greek mm-hmm. collecting together loads and loads of myths and some of them are like pages long some of them are half a page long mm-hmm. it's like reading the grimm's fairy tales or, like, any other sort of fairy tale collection, but Greek myths. Yeah. So I think that's a fantastic one to read. Oxford Old Classics, easy accessible uh, translation. Um, Traditionally, I think, one of the go-to recommendations everyone used to give was uh, for really accessible Greek myths uh, was Robert Graves' Greek Myths. Mm -hmm. But more recently, uh, Stephen Fry's done a kind of version that's similar Uh, called Mythos, which, again, is obviously like adapted by a specific individual and it's going to be influenced by his personal preferences mm-hmm. his interpretation of these myths it's meant to be a little bit comical but it is still just like a compendium the of stories. myths yeah. yeah so like if you're just looking for something that's going to give you like a bulk introduction
1: mm-hmm. why not <laughs> it's funny because all I have to compare is like all my English lit stuff mm-hmm. and that's how I feel about the Canterbury Tales like yes. you can go read a translation of the Canterbury Tales or you can go read a retelling yeah of the not a retelling but a rephrased yeah version of it if yeah. that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely I mean why not start with like children's Greek yeah. myths yeah. I mean I think to be honest one of the first ancient Greek myth books I read was Margaret Atwood's Penelopead which is a retelling of a Homer's odyssey from Penelope's perspective and because I think Margaret Atwood's such a popular author people love her prose mm-hmm. There's a good chance you're going to love the Penelope ad if you like Margaret Atwood. Yeah. Why not check out one by your favourite author? Jeanette Winterson has a retelling called Wait. Um, lots of big name authors seem to have a myth retelling. Yeah.
1: So that's always something. Do you think that comes from they have studied it at some point and <laughs> want to rewrite it? Or do, they, do you think they just go, I would like to rewrite a myth. And then they go and have a look at it. Do you, I don't I know. know it I, I guess from. it's different
0: from people. So like... From the authors I've interviewed on the podcast, people like Natalie Haynes and Madeline Miller mm-hmm. both have classics backgrounds. Pat Barker, however, didn't. Um, but she reads. She reads widely. She's like into literature. And during her career writing about other wars, she's obviously uh, developed an interest in the Trojan War and written mm-hmm. about that. Um, so, yeah, it, it must just really depend. But I like that. I like the idea that people with really different backgrounds different exposures to classics mm-hmm. are writing their myth retellings and their versions they all get inspired by yeah, it. yeah. it's lovely yeah okay.
1: well thank you so much those are all my questions oh well,
0: those are fantastic questions <laughs> i think that was yeah that was a really fun discussion i really enjoyed it thank you so much for joining me i do usually ask my guests to do something for me Ooh, though, at the yes. end of each episode and that's for them to recommend a book um so it doesn't have to be a Greek me. myth retelling. Um it could be a retelling of something else. It could be a retelling of like an Austen book or some Arthurian legends.
1: Um just just something you would you would recommend. Okay, my recommendation is coming kind of from the Minotaur. Okay. So not really. <laughs> it's released by Patrick Ness. Have okay. you read that?
0: No, I've read other Patrick Ness, but not this one.
1: So Patrick Ness writes YA kind of across different Genres mm-hmm. and topics. So release is it is inspired by Mrs. Dalloway. Ah. But I only figured that out after I'd read it. It was set in one day Uh-huh after, When you read the dedication, he's like it's partly inspired yeah. by this, but it's um, it's about a teenage boy um, Who's gay and he's like talking to his best friends about it. And it's, it's just like one day in his life uh-huh. um, at the same time in the What do you call it? Altern- what's like one and the other alternate Altern- timeline no like alter like it's one chapter and then another chapter and oh like, okay alternating alter- al- alternating, al- alternating, chapters? alternating alternating That's yeah sorry right. thank you sorry uh and then in the alternating chapters there's this creature Ooh. that shows up in the same town uh-huh. And is kind of being pulled by this force of something traumatic that's happened in the town. It's it's a weird book, mm. but it kind of brings together just contemporary YA yeah. and then something totally yeah. wild, magical, so it's really dark, unique. Yeah and I really enjoyed that.
0: Okay perfect thanks so much. I always like to give people more things to read (laughs) and myself. (laughs) Well thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening and do remember to go and check out Sana at Books and Quills and until next time.